Welcome to Rex Factor. This week, Duncan the Second. With your hosts, Graham Duke and Ali Hood. Hello. Hello. And welcome to Rex Factor reviewing all the kings and queens of Scots from Kenneth McAlpin to James the Sixth. This week, Duncan the Second. Yes, now you've got the name correct oh. now. You've learned after a bit I of a faux pas on Facebook. Know. Well, and at the end of the previous and the episode. End, yes. There's too many. I was just saying to Graham, I was about to say, I was just saying to Duncan, I was just <laughs> saying to Graham when I arrived today, there's too many Duncans and Donalds. And here we are at a Duncan, again. The second in second. mere 22 like episodes. <laughs> They're all Duncan in my head. It's confusing, I suppose, because yeah, we've had three Donalds, and then the original Duncan fitted into the backgroundy stuff of the previous episode as well. Ah, uh, okay, maybe that's... And then, obviously, the one fact that you took from the episode <laughs> was the incorrect name yeah, that you said at the Duncan end. Duncan the Third. <laughs> Not to be confused with Donald Third, or indeed Duncan the Second from today. Exactly. So maybe it would be more helpful if last time we'd referred to Donald III exclusively as Donald Bain. Yeah. So, a bit of backgroundy stuff and some mm. more of those names. Hopefully we'll see if we can get them a little bit more clearly fixed in your head at this point. Thank you. So, we had Duncan I. Yes, Macbeth. Yeah, so he was killed in 1040 by Macbeth and he had two sons, Malcolm and Donald Bain. Right. They both went off into separate exile yeah. throughout the rest of Macbeth's reign. But then Malcolm comes back, kills Macbeth and his stepson Lullock, and becomes Malcolm III. Yes, all fine up to there. He does a good job, rules for over 30 years, has a very stable reign, and it's a much more sophisticated European court, thanks to his marriage with uh, Margaret mm. of Wessex. But he has uh, a rivalry with the Normans, in particular William Rufus, towards the end yeah. of his reign. They're around that area, kind of Carlisle, Durham which is sort of a bit up for grabs for Scotland and England. It's not mm. quite established at this point. Yeah, okay. So in 1093, Malcolm went on a raid into Annick, but was ambushed and killed, along with his son, Edward, and then Margaret, his wife and queen, died a week later. Yeah, it was not a good week for Scottish <laughs> royalty, though, was it? <laughs> it was a pretty bad time, and in all of the confusion, despite Malcolm III having lots and lots of sons, mm. it was his brother, Donald Bain, who comes back from exile in 1093 to become king. Yes, and there we're into this whole brotherly uh, line of succession nonsense again. Exactly. So, the situation then is that Donald III is king and the sons of Malcolm III and Margaret have been sent away from Edinburgh into exile in England with yes. William Rufus. Yes. So, that uh, is the backgroundy stuff. Now, of course, technically, if you've listened to the previous episode, then we did actually do the entirety of Duncan II's mm. reign within Donald yeah. Bain's episode. Yeah. Uh, reverse spoiler alert. <laughs> exactly. So, forget all of that. That's only happened to us once before, and that was with Sven Forkbeard. Yeah, but that in itself is a bit strange, because we went back to do it. Yeah, because we didn't actually bother to review him at all until much later. And hopefully everyone had forgotten about that by then. And he was brilliant. Yeah. Quite long... Oh, no, he had a lot of interesting story. Before he became king, and then he had a very brief reign. So, for Duncan II, Mm. he is a son of Malcolm III. Yeah. But he's not a son of St. Margaret, because he is the eldest son of uh, Malcolm's first marriage to Ingeborg Finnsdottir. So he's got some Scandinavian. Got a bit of Scandinavian in him. So he is the nephew of Donald Bain, mm. 
and he is the half-brother of all of Malcolm's other sons. And we discussed this last time, but um, seen as a little more illegitimate, perhaps, because he wasn't son of... Well, we will Mar- come to Margaret? that. There is okay. a question mark about that. Um, he's born in about 1060, so when he becomes king in 1094, he's about 34 years old. Good age. Good age, particularly when Donald Bain's quite an elderly chap. Mm. Now, we don't have any contemporary uh, portraits or descriptions of Duncan II. Of course. So, as ever, we rely on the artistic interpretation of the Heritage Playing Card Limited playing card. <laughs> Ali, right. what are you Big expecting? Reveal. And then... Well, Graham, I'm not going to lie to you. I've mm. seen this fella before. It's not yep. that I've done research. I've done fantastic research in that I have listened slash taken part in an episode of Rex <laughs> Factor. Um, so I'm expecting him to look a lot like that. Um, having said that, what he looks like <laughs> slips my mind. So, uh, green. I'm going green, green. tunic. Green, he's going to be green. Uh, the Hulk. A, a, a red trouser. Um, and probably a bit sneaky, because we've learned that he's a little, little bit sneakier. Okay, and... As oh, he's Again. dead as well. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. That really didn't go at all well. He is wearing blue, though he ha- does have his lovely red legs out. Um, mm. But he actually has a different hairstyle to last week. Mm. Um, well, last week it wasn't him, of course. It was Donald Bain. Because we're reviewing a different but monarch But didn't, uh, didn't he appear on that double card? Yeah, no, that was Edmund. Oh, okay, you see, that's where I was going wrong. <laughs> I was thinking of Edmund. Um, he's got a sword. That looks good. But he's also reading the paper. Hmm. I don't know if this is the paper or a paper. It's got a seal, so it's a red top. Um, yeah, no, it looks quite thoughtful, I'd say. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, not, not expecting much. He's not a remarkable-looking man. Now, in terms of an epithet, mm. he doesn't actually have one specified. No, well, yeah. No, I think that's partly because we seem to, I think with Donald Bain, I think might be the last entry for the prophecy of Birkin. Who? Which who, was which that was prophecy that written Oh, the late, yeah, much later. <laughs> yeah. Um, some of the later monarchs do have uh, nicknames that they're given, but Duncan II doesn't have one. So I guess maybe at the end of the episode, if you can think of one, or people listening in... yeah. Think of an Ooh, epithet that would fit for Donald, uh, Duncan the Second. <laughs> so he, um, as he said, he's born about 1060. Now we don't know anything of his childhood up until the year 1072, mm-hmm. which that- is actually earlier than usual for quite a lot yeah. of monarchs. The reason for this was that um, one of Malcolm the Third's first encounters with the Normans was when he upset William the Conqueror, mm. and William decided to teach him a lesson, took an army up to Scotland, mm. forced Malcolm to come to terms, and as part of their agreement, Malcolm gave his eldest son as hostage to William. Yeah. And that eldest son is Duncan. Of course. Yeah, yeah. We Yeah, so we talked about that. We're going to say this mm. a lot. We talked yeah. about <laughs> that last episode. But, um, so he really is... Uh, I was going to say English, but actually we mean Norman... Mm. Uh, uh, bit of... What do I mean? Aristocracy, probably treated a bit like aristocracy. Yeah, so from 1072, he grows up at the Norman court, and say as a hostage, that doesn't mean that he's chained up um, as a proper prisoner. It's mm. really that he is just under their safekeeping, and if Malcolm does anything that goes against the terms of their peace treaty, then he might be in some kind of danger. Yeah. But otherwise, you'd expect him to be brought up as if he were one of their own children, almost, yeah. and that's effectively what he is. So he grows up. Um, in England and also in Normandy, and he's raised effectively as a Norman knight. Mm. So he's fluent in French, the culture of the court, um, he's a cavalryman, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Which means that on the one hand, he's quite an accomplished young man, Yeah, but he's also not an entirely Scottish young no, man. No, so that counts against him for the Scots, but is that an advantage, do you think? Like, Is, is growing up in the Norman courts at the time 
a better education than perhaps growing up in the Scottish courts? Is there got more mm. training or something? Or? Oh, definitely, and much more advanced sort of a military yeah. training. And this is also the period where people are starting to go off on the Crusades and yes. things like this. So there's a lot of stuff going on. So, yeah, he's getting a very good training right. that um, his counterparts in Scotland wouldn't have done. Mm. Um, but it's interesting, the fact that when William the Conqueror dies in 1087 and is replaced by William Rufus... Hey. Um, at this point, he is actually released, but he doesn't go back to Scotland. Oh, yeah. So Duncan II stays in... Stockholm Syndrome. England, Normandy, yeah. Mm. So he's much more aligned to them than he is to the Scots at this point. And what's he got to go home to? Has his mother died by this point? Oh, it wasn't no. his mother, was it? He wasn't Margaret's. He's not Margaret's yeah. son. Mm. Um, and also, yeah, Malcolm III is still king at oh, this point. Right. Um, so instead, he stays uh, apparently in Normandy initially, where he's knighted by Duke Robert of Normandy. Oh, right. So he's effectively Sir Duncan. Yeah. Um, apparently participates in military campaigns with him in Normandy, but then comes back to England and Rufus is caught. So, and he doesn't go home to see his dad? Doesn't go home to see dad. That's a bit weird. Hmm. Now, in 1093, when dad, Malcolm III, died, mm. there was a something of a confusion as to what would happen in terms of the succession. Yeah. Because traditionally we've seen the Scots using what we call this alternating system, whereby instead of it going father to son, it goes brother to brother, mm. and then it goes to the eldest brother's sons. So it mm. goes, stays within the generation before going down to the next level. So on this way of doing it, Donald Bain would actually have been the favourite candidate because he is the brother of Malcolm III, yeah. so therefore he gets his turn, and then it would go to Malcolm's children. Mm. So that's his excuse. But it's very unlikely Malcolm III had really wanted his brother to be king, yeah. And instead would have been favouring some kind of primogeniture. Because his uh, his father mm. had tried so hard to install that. Yeah, so that this that sort of branch really has been this succession of people trying to make primogeniture work. Yeah. So he was almost certainly favouring his sons. And it's suggested in the Historia Regum that um, his choice would have been Edward, who was the eldest son of his marriage with Margaret. Why that? Why him? Well, I guess it's the suggestion, as we said, that Duncan was off in England. Uh, We've got okay. all the stuff with Margaret, so it's yeah. his eldest son by Margaret. But Margaret herself is quite Norman. Is quite no, she's quite English. English, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that would have made sense. But of course, Edward dies in 1093 along mm. with his father at Annick. Yeah. Whoops. So then we don't have quite such a clear view on what happens, and we don't have such strict ideas of primogeniture that you just think, oh well, who's next on the list? Yeah, because it's a new system. It's not. All the rules haven't become codified or anything. Yeah, yet. and they've never really been able to actually do it because <laughs> yeah. we have, they don't have a son or somebody gets killed or there's an usurpation, so they've never really yeah. been able to get any kind of precedent. Okay. So we've got Donald Bain, the brother who's actually taken the throne. Mm. There's all of Malcolm's other sons by Margaret who are um, Edmund, Edgar, Alexander and David. Right. So there's quite, quite a few of them there. Yeah, quite fine normal names as well. There's yeah, no... we're missing out Ethelred who seems to become a monk. Yes, okay. So we've got all of them, and we've got Duncan. Okay, so he's a separate issue now. Yes, now Duncan is the eldest son of Malcolm, so why was he not the heir in the first place, and why doesn't he then become king instead of his uncle? Yeah. So there is, as you've been asking, this question about legitimacy. So the Norman historian William of Malmesbury describes Duncan as nothus, or a bastard. Lovely. Literally in the sense of... 
Uh, yeah, his having, parentage. Uh, yeah, yeah. But you wonder why he didn't have an epithet. <laughs> yeah, I suppose William the Conqueror already well, had indeed, it. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's taken. Um, so that implies that he was illegitimate. And it's all really a question about that first marriage with Ingeborg. Mm. So quite a lot of the sources um, of this period perhaps aren't recognising that as a legitimate marriage. Mm. So they are made very much saying that the marriage to Margaret is the legitimate one, her sons are the legitimate royal line, and this Duncan is just a pretender from a marriage which isn't recognised. Mm. Now that is perhaps more something that comes from slightly later Scottish histories, written in the time of when Margaret's sons become rulers. So they're bound to say that? Yeah, so they're looking back and saying, oh no, he didn't count. Yeah. Whereas actually at the time, there doesn't seem to be anything that's saying that he's illegitimate. Most historians think he would have been accepted as a legitimate son. And indeed, it's unlikely that William the Conqueror would have accepted him as a valuable hostage if it was just... Oh yeah, that's a really good point. An illegitimate yeah. offspring rather than an actual royal yeah. son. Yeah, so, something that you would worry about and stick to treaties for. Yeah. So perhaps the reason he wasn't favoured was simply the fact that, actually, he is an outsider. Mm. And he doesn't go back to Scotland, so it suggests that there isn't really any kind of relationship with Malcolm. Malcolm's got all these other sons that are at court with him and Margaret, so he's maybe seeing this as his legitimate line. Yeah. And Duncan is it's just gone now, he's not right, part okay, of the plan. He's just ostracised. Yeah. And also, in practical terms, he's nowhere near being in Scotland at the time that Malcolm III dies. So No, and as we know from the end of uh, William's reign, it does matter where you are. Exactly. Yeah. So, he's not there, but he does have some support, and particularly William Rufus, the mm. King of England. So, Rufus doesn't like the idea of Donald Bain being king, because he's just got rid of Malcolm III mm. and now he's got another sort of Celtic ruler effectively and a Scottish man but on the Scottish throne exactly <laughs> much more likely to represent a continued threat to the northern frontiers for yeah. England or the south for Scotland whereas Duncan is someone that he will almost certainly know personally quite mm. well um, he knows that he's well trained he's well versed in Norman culture and etiquette and military training etc and presumably he's been in senior for Mm. In all of Duncan's life, so I would know that Duncan respects him by nature. Exactly. So, it also gives Rufus a chance, because Duncan's experienced in the military, that actually Rufus doesn't even need to personally get involved, because Duncan could lead his own campaign. So Rufus has basically got a subordinate royal Scot who's trained... It's perfect. He could just go off, do it for him, yeah. and then Rufus has got his own man in place. Yeah. Go look, here, here you go. Gates are open, go and have fun. So, Duncan gave Rufus his uh, oath of fealty in mm. return for Rufus acknowledging him as King of Scots. Yeah. Um, now, Rufus, unfortunately, was a bit busy with other campaigns, so he didn't have a lot of resources to actually give to Duncan. Mm. So, Duncan kind of has to do it himself. He marries a woman called Ethelreda, or Octreda, as it's sometimes written, who is the daughter of Goss Patrick, a former Earl of Northumbria. Yeah, that sounds quite Saxon. I thought he would have tried to marry into the Normans. Well, it's really because he's he's got to raise an army. Yeah. And actually, if he's got that link to a powerful family the in the north, yeah. which is the useful base anyway. So actually, he goes up there, gets an army from there, raises He literally has to raise an army. It's not that Rufus just gives him 10,000 men mm. and off you go. He's got to raise this army. Mm. So he gets a, a helpful marriage, raises an army there uses his local links, marches north, issues a charter at Durham. Oh, is that what the paper is? Which may well okay. be the paper that he's looking at on the card, so they have thought about their, uh, their mm, depiction yeah. of him in great detail. 
Um, and then he marches into Scotland, declares himself heritably undoubted King of Scotia, expels Donald Bain to the Highlands, and becomes king in May 1094. Okay, and people are happy about this? Well, unfortunately, people are not oh. very happy about this. Um, we said that Donald Bain seems to have come to the throne potentially at the head of some kind of Gaelic reaction. Yeah. Now, it might not be particularly widespread across Scotland. It might be limited to sort of certain people at court. But nevertheless, there is a certain feeling that Donald Bain's more their kind of man, whereas mm. the sons of Malcolm and Margaret were seen as outsiders. Now, although Duncan isn't the son of Margaret, he's actually more of an outsider than any of them because he's entirely grown up in England and Normandy. Yeah, and but also with the, with the Scandinavian mother, it's all all of it's not Scottish. Mm. And what's more, of course, he's become king by kicking Donald Bain off the throne with an Anglo-Norman army. That's not going to look good, yeah. It's not indeed. And very quickly there seem to be um, uprisings against him. Um, may have had some of his military retinue destroyed um, initially, which leads him to negotiate uh, with the people. He agrees that he will get rid of his foreign troops, he'll send them away back to Northumbria, in return for which he will remain as king. Yeah. So the only way he can stay as king, as it seems, is to get rid of all his troops. Now, we suggested last week that this might not have been a very good idea. Yes, it leaves him slightly exposed yeah. to everybody else in Scotland. Mm. Yes. Not and good. Uh, sure enough, on the 12th of November, 1094, um, he's ambushed and killed, apparently by a chap called Mile Petter, who's the Mormer of Merns, so a sort of powerful noble, um, on the orders of his uncle, Donald Bain, yeah. and potentially his half-brother, Edmund. Who I confused him for on the card. Exactly. But um, D- Donald was just in exile in Scotland at the time. Yeah, so there's one source suggesting that he maybe goes off to the Highlands, so it's right. probable that Duncan's kind of control of Scotland isn't actually that significant. So There's probably quite a large amount oh, of territory yeah. he hasn't really been able to... Mm. take control of yet and that's not long is it that between his no it's yeah. just as you'll see in longevity it's yeah. just a few months so he doesn't really have much of a chance to uh better got time to send a letter well exactly the poor chap mm. anyway so that that uh, unfortunately is the life and reign of uh, so he died in that ambush and that was it yes yeah. exactly. not even prisoner not even prisoner oh, killed dear. straight off shame because he had it all going for him well exactly and that's maybe what we'll see in the um when we come to review yeah. him as well there's a lot of yeah, potential. There's, yeah, there's a lot of potential yeah. there. Yeah. But uh, it doesn't necessarily get realised mm. to any great extent. Mm. Story mm. of my life, Graham. Ooh. Battleiness. So, on the positive front, mm. he's a, he is a trained Norman knight. Yeah. He's got all the uh, all the gear. He's got all the training. He's raised as a knight, thought to have been knighted by... Uh, Says a lot. Duke yeah. Robert, if not uh, Rufus himself, may even have taken part in some campaigns in Normandy. He's probably got quite a good reputation for himself. Yeah. He's a man on the make. And trusted enough to actually go and lead that campaign north. Yes, yeah, so and that shows that he's got um, a certain amount of experience and capability because when his younger half-brother, Edgar, becomes king... Mm. It's actually, that. Um, yes, although in Bruce's <laughs> episode... He was part of that army, but actually the army was led by his uncle... Edgar the Etheling. So the next Scot that yeah. becomes king with the Norman army doesn't yeah. lead it. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Is that he? suggests that obviously Rufus differentiated and saw that Duncan was a man that could do it, whereas Edgar... Is mm. just a pawn, and he has to send somebody else to actually do the fighting for him. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's good plus points for our man Duncan here. And he does take the throne. He does take the throne. I mean, that's... Uh, 
Ooh, though we got the, we were a bit controversial last week was um uh, uh hang on Donald yeah um because uh t- we cancelled out his taking of the throne because he lost the throne um but I'm beginning to think in this Scottish series mm. it, th- that's just an inevitability I mean almost uh, every monarch has to get rid of the previous one in order to become yeah. king yeah I mean it's difficult yeah with um with Donald, we he got three last time. I think most of which came from me. So mm. you know, maybe a five or a six, you maybe deserve. But the problem is that we just don't have any details about yeah. how this happened. So with Duncan today, we know that he goes up with an army, but we don't know if he actually has to do any fighting. Mm. There's some suggestion that he beats him many times. So right. maybe there's a bit of a kind of civil war period and a few. Skirmishes, but there's yeah. no big battle that anyone thinks is worth recording. Well, um, and also against him, other than the fact that we don't actually know anything mm. about the way that he wins, obviously, after six months, he loses. Mm-hmm. Again, he may not actually have been defeated in battle, it may have just been that he was assassinated. Yeah. So it's not quite the same, but on the strategic front, he has sent his army home. Curse this damnable lack of detail, Graham. <laughs> it's so difficult. But you can't imagine, you know, where we did the uh, the Waterloo special, a Wellington or a Napoleon sort of storming in somewhere and then saying, oh, okay, I'll send the army home. Yeah. Sure, I can deal with this myself. Yeah, yeah, All really above bad. Board. You've got a knife there. Tell you what, if I take off my armour, will you not stab me? <laughs> <laughs> yes, may not. But only if all of your armed friends go several hundred miles away first. It's terrible. And also, whereas um, Duncan's father, Malcolm III, had you know been quite defiant, resisting the Normans, pushing the borders, trying to extend yeah. his territory, Donald Bain seemed to be kind of the similar mould. Mm. Duncan, very much um, different. He is said to have served Rufus as a knight, mm. names his only son, William. Oh, May yeah. suggest that Rufus was a godfather, but this now sets something of a precedent that the Scottish kings are effectively having to acknowledge that they hold the throne thanks to the support and acclamation of the English king. Yeah, he's really seeing English involvement here. Mm. Ready, it's all going to blow up during Eddie's reign. Well, indeed, and this is one of the various examples Eddie mm. Wong gives of mm. cases where clearly the King of England is in charge of who gets to be King of Scotland. It's not great, Graham, is it? Mm, it's not setting a great precedent. So, you know, he had, a, he had some good promise from yeah. him. He looked good on paper. And maybe he did do a good bit of fighting to initially take the throne, but I—it's just too—I mean, uh, it's too similar to Donald. I'm tempted to give the, the same score as Donald, mm. uh, though I gave him one last time, didn't I? If that <laughs> uh, two, yeah. See, I was thinking of giving you two, and that would give him more than um, mm. Donald, which doesn't seem fair. Although, at but least then maybe got... Donald did it with. Um, Underhand tactics to get rid That's of how I feel And with Duncan There's more suggestion of fighting and Yeah and the previous experience Not while he was king But it, yeah. that does then suggest more That he had that capability Especially with Rufus's trust in him To lead the campaign yeah. So we definitely know he did lead a campaign yeah. Whereas we definitely We don't know that for sure about Donald no. We know that he took charge But we don't know how yeah. Yeah, I'll go. I'm happy to give him slightly more on the. Which case that. that is a four for battliness for yes. Duncan the Second. Scandal. Unfortunately for scandal, I, literally nothing. I couldn't even think of something silly to put down there. There's just, there's just nothing. Uh, he, d- he doesn't even kill his uh, 
No, it doesn't. It, that is pathetic. Yeah. It doesn't even kill his rival in this age. Uh, what about um, fell out with his dad? Didn't well, there's no real wrong. evidence of it. He just doesn't go home. No. Ran away. No, there's nothing there, is there? No, it's got to be a zero. A zero. Subjectivity. Well, we do have a little bit here. Good. We've got that charter. Aha, uh-huh, the newspaper. In the card. Um, so this was issued at Durham mm-hmm. when he was marching north in 1094. And this is the earliest surviving charter in history by a Scottish king. Wow. Rex, fact. The only one of his reign, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> no time to do any others. Um, and the seal apparently depicts him as a mounted knight. Oh, which, yes. Again, very much a Norman Yeah, influence. very Norman thing. Um, but, so the first... Oldest charter by a Scottish king that we have that survives at least, and it was done in Durham. Mm. Oh dear! Although that maybe reflects a certain amount of ambition that that's sort of the territory yeah. where you think you know this is He's where we've got for. dominance. In it, he says, "I, Duncan, son of King Malcolm and manifest King of Scotland by inheritance, have given in arms to St Cuthbert and his servants, and then list various territories in." sort of northeast England, as we call it today. So he's effectively granting land to the monks at uh, Durham. Right. So he's currying favour, because the fact that he's granting land indicates that he is in charge of it to give it away. Okay. So so he's on his way up to Scotland, mm. giving away bits of Scotland on his way, just to sort of say, I'm in charge, come on. Yeah. Good. Good. That's he's nice. Done a bit of ruling. Yeah, he's done a bit of ruling. <laughs> yeah, and you know, true. it's good positive. Um, that's a solid bit of religious kinging. stuff. Yeah. Um, now, the date of his death is actually noted by the monks in Durham. That's why we know the exact day. Right. So that implies a certain amount of respect that they hold yeah. for him, and that they think he's a significant person. Yeah. The fact that they bother to write it down. Yeah, we don't have much detail. So that's something <laughs> for all the previous ones. And also he might be impressed the fact that um, he does seem to have the support of his half-brothers, despite this estrangement that may or may That's not have true. existed with his father. Because there's, what, five others down below? Yeah, below so he... In London. <laughs> to the below of Scotland. <laughs> so he grants further lands to the priory at Dunfermline, which had been founded by Margaret and was very much her pet project. Yeah. And also in the Charter, when he's talking about all the grants and lands he's giving away, he says, I have given these things for myself and for the soul of my father and for my brothers and for my wife and for my children. And since I wish this gift to be enduring to St. Cuthbert, I obtained the consent of my brothers. So he it's just old sneaky Donald Bain mm. that does him in. Otherwise, not only do you have support of the uh, English or rather Norman king, mm. but all of his brothers as well that were the other the main his main opposition aside from Donald Bain. Yes, although as a caveat of course Edmund he sneaks over to the other side and potentially uh, bumps Duncan off. But certainly the but other brothers. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah yeah okay he might have been involved he might have done yeah. the sneaky before mm. um okay I thought he might have seen an opportunity after Well it Duncan probably may have been after Duncan becomes king that Edmund then right. gets wow. involved with Donald Bain. But okay. still, you know, he he obtained the consent of his other brothers. So that yeah. implies that before coming north, you know, he's done that business as well. So it's not just throwing random Scottish princes yeah. and hoping one of them sticks. He's actually well, they're all seen as the leader. They're all down there. So they can probably see that he's um a, a you know, a knight, yeah. Sir mm. Duncan. Mm. And uh and leading a campaign, I suppose it's a bit, bit silly to oppose him. Yeah. 
So that's, that is that's some good. positive work yeah. in his very, very brief reign. Mm. Going against him, it is a very brief reign. True. Um, he's killed by his own subjects. Never Doesn't could. seem to have been very popular. <laughs> yeah. Seen as a foreign usurper who could only rule with a foreign army. Yeah. Uh, the Chronicle of Melrose said he was slain by the men of the Merns in Mondiness because he lived badly. The whole populace crushed him. It's. I mean, where I just realised how um, uh, Anglo-centric I was being there. We were <laughs> looking at this as, oh no, he's really good. You know, the English like him. He seems quite English. That's fine. The Scots, who were trying to rule, didn't like him. That's yeah. not good. Uh, a bit more generous, historian George Buchanan said, being a military man and not so skillful in the arts of peace, he failed to win popular support, mm. leading to continued conflict. Yeah. And that does seem to be the problem. He's got all the skills in terms of leading an army, but actually once he gets there... He doesn't do yeah. a very good job of actually ruling. It's all gear and no idea. Hmm. Um, but it's not completely without I still merit. prefer it. I didn't realise quite how much I didn't like Donald, hmm. but I still prefer it to Donald hmm. because there's a solid bit of kinging there. There is. And he seemed to have the bits and pieces to go with it. That um, we d- Maybe Donald did, but we don't have the detail. All we yeah. know from Donald is that he came, he left, he came, he left, yeah. and then he had ruled with someone else, and it was very sneaky the whole time. Of course, Donald Bain only got 0.5, so it doesn't take a big no, score for Duncan to uh, come out on top. <laughs> well, I'll definitely give him at least one for his lovely bit of paper he's reading there. Mm. And I think I will give him a, a 0.5 for the, for the support that he had behind him for his... for, for the potential of a very <laughs> solid, uh, calm reign, but... Then only a point five because I neglected to mention that Scotland weren't so into it. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm going to be similar, really. I'm going to give him another two. I think you know it's the charter's good. Work with the brothers is good, but he made he, some big errors once he got there. wasn't very popular and got seen off. So it's certainly below par. Yeah, and ultimately led to to more chaos and was only there a month. So really, if you were a subject, <laughs> you're going to be oh he's good. No, I hate him and it's mm. bad. Yeah. So that's a three and a half. Subjectivity. Longevity. So it's May 1094 mm. to November 1094. Oh dear. Which is uh, six months. Mm. Uh, so that's half a year. And when we put that into the patiometer, mm. that gives us 0.17, which is the shortest one that we've Record! had. Record! So and far. I think, depending on how you interpret one of the later reigns, arguably that is actually the shortest reign Which is a, in Scottish history. Which is an incredible history. record, given quite how violent <laughs> yeah. this period of history is for Scotland, that to have the shortest reign. Mm. Someone came in, straight away killed him. That was yep. it. Let's get this done <laughs> straight away and pretend there's no, there's no mucking around. Dynasty, not the program. Well, he does actually have one surviving son. Right. Which is a good job. Um, this is William Fitz Duncan, who actually becomes quite a prominent figure in later reigns, but he never challenges his uncles for the throne. Right. So that allows him to become quite powerful, quite a trusted figure. So he gets quite involved, but never it rebels himself. It is a bit himself. of a, a throw of the dice in this time. That there's so many people who uh, could be classed as legitimate. Yeah. You either keep your head down and try and get a nice, powerful life, or roll the dice. Mm. Never goes well. Though uh, some of his descendants then uh, do challenge oh. for the throne, the Mac Willem, as they're known. So it's maybe when they rebel that you get some of the history slurring Duncan the Second himself. 
oh. because of the rebels that come a little bit yes. later. Okay. So they have to they have to completely rubbish his claim. The to whole line has to yeah, be with you. Hmm. Anyway, so that one gives him a score of two. Oh, that's for dynasty. Weird. Strange thing to say. Uh, um, and thus he has a total score of nine point six seven, which is not the lowest we've ever had. But I'm afraid it is lower than Donald Bain. Is it? Mm. How did? Where did Donald Bain get his points? Uh, he got a bit of scandal. Oh, he got some lovely scandal. And didn't he, he was king for longer. Yeah. Um, and of course, hashtag remember if is lower, isn't he? On his total. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that is it for Duncan the Second. Except that final question: mm. Does he have that certain something, that lasting legacy, that great achievement and star quality that we call Rex Factor? I'm going to tell you right now. I'm out. <laughs> wow, that was appropriate because <laughs> it's Dragon's Den and it's Scottish for our American listeners, <laughs> or indeed Scottish listeners who may be curious. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, the only arguments I could think of, we got he he wins the throne with a certain amount of battling, mm. though we don't quite know how much, mm. and he does have the first ever surviving recorded charter. Yes, and, and he, the shortest ever reign. Yeah, so you know he's he's got some notable mentions there. It's been a, a couple of episodes of records, if nothing else. Mm. But uh, otherwise, no. Obviously, it's a it's a very unsuccessful reign. I'm afraid. So that is a no for Duncan the Second. Barely a rain. Barely even I mean, a rain. What years did he? What months was he raining? Because it might not have actually rained during his reign. Uh, I mean, it is in Scotland, so oh, yeah, that's true. May to November. Mm, chances are high. Probably will have rained. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's it for Duncan the Second. Now, if you've got any comment about Duncan or any other aspect of the episode, please do get in touch with yes. us. You can uh, message us on Twitter at Rex Actor Pod. Like us and get involved in conversations on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You can email us rexactorpodcast.hotmail.com and if you go onto our WordPress site, you can read blogs and complete polls as to whether you think any of these monarchs should or shouldn't have the Rex Factor. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Lovely stuff. Now, if you'd like to support the podcast, you could leave a review on iTunes. That's very helpful, by the way. Helps you're... to get us noticed more and then pushes us up so more people see us. If you're um, listening right now, that's you. <laughs> and you've got two minutes. Just just jot down a just jot down a few words. A nice one, preferably. Otherwise, yeah, that's it, true. it doesn't really help. Yeah. Um, you can, if you like, make a one-off donation to us on PayPal if you'd like to support us monetarily. Yes, we need pop filters. Or uh, you can do crowdfunding. So click the "Be My Patron" link to make a monthly donation and join the Rex Factor Privy Council. There are the Privy Councillors. Now, I have a quick message for you. Your First newsletter is coming out very, very soon with a little bit of Brucey bonus material in there. Very exciting. Now, you get some rewards with this. $1 uh, for um, you get a mention on the podcast. Thank you. And a thank you. Uh, $2, you get a comment read out. Mm-hmm. $5, you'll get a mug sent to you once we've sorted out our work that we've been doing on branding. Yep, very, very soon. Got, got prototypes. Indeed. $10 will get you a blog on the subject of your choosing on WordPress. And $15, you'll get us you're able to commission a special podcast episode oh, that we'll produce. Imagine that. And the first one we've done, The Battle of Waterloo, is out now. People are purchasing it, despite the best efforts of uh, Podbean. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm so sorry for that, for that little bit of uh, teething problems we've had. But 
we are we're battling, aren't we? Yeah. So at the moment, we're sending people email links to a Dropbox version of it, so that if you pay for it, then you'll definitely you'll get, get it. it. But yeah. some, we'll sort out the problems in future, so that it will just then be the simple thing that you pay and Podbean send you an email, and then you've got how you th- how, how you might think it would have worked anyway. Exactly. But... Anyway, we have uh, some new privy councillors. Oh, thank. thank you very much. Arise Androw, Sam Kirby. Anne Johnson, Janet Castle, Max Maiden, Sophia Carell, Jackie McClellan, and Joy Harris. Well, thank I recognise a few of those previous councillor mm. names. I think they've been involved in Facebook. Involved well, thank you very much. Yes, it's very, very welcome. And thank you as well to people who maybe aren't don't donate uh, with some money, but we know that word of mouth and the yeah. messages we get and those nice comments that people leave is also really, really lovely as well. So yeah. any form of contact is lovely yeah, to get from everybody. Oh, we've got some messages. All right. Uh, a couple from Twitter. Mm. Lauren Baker, at Lauren X Baker. A question that came up for me while listening. Did many monarchs before modern times have children before ascending to the throne? Before modern times? Well, I mean, I've, I've like, oh, I see all mean. of them. But. Did they... Hang on. Did they have kids before they're married? Oh, no, before they went to the throne? Yes. Whew, I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, in other words, like how many monarchs, when they come to the throne, already have at yeah. least one child with them? How many are already prepared in terms of dynasty? In my mind, that seems more common than now. What, back in the old days? Yeah. Then if they're younger, then they have to find a bride mm. to then marry and yeah. whatnot. Actually, no, that's not true of Charles, our current Prince Charles and Prince yeah. William. Yeah. Yeah. So, actually, yeah, maybe not. Well, so I had a look. Um, I've just looked at the English ones rather than the Scots because mm. it's really it's hard to know because they don't really record when anybody's born <laughs> for yeah. quite a long time. John of Fordham isn't he's going to say he gave birth to a lizard. So mo- nineteen monarchs did have at least one child before they became king or right. queen, and thirty-seven did not. Implying they got they they started their reign quite young. Yes, or that they just didn't have children. Yeah, although I suppose y- young makes sense given how quickly they get bumped off exactly so it's 33 percent that did actually have children that's fantastic detective work there graham and in terms of dynasties windsors as you assume are the most likely 80 percent mm. of the windsor monarchs that's including Edward the seventh who is technically sax coburg gotha 80 percent of them have already had at least one child before mm. becoming monarch which makes sense because they're around for so long that they've already yeah with everything. elizabeth as well so it's only edward the eighth who never had children, he's the only one that didn't. Mm. Whereas the Tudors, the least likely. Right. Zero percent of Tudor monarchs came to the throne with a child. Ah, yeah, famously, Mm. old uh, Elizabeth. Well, yeah, so Henry VII, um, he marries Elizabeth of York and then has Mm. children. Henry VIII comes to the throne as a 17-year-old and then has all his wives trying to get the children. All those girls. And then Edward VI marries the first Elizabeth, none of them have children at all. Yeah. So none of the Tudors, they're the least wow. successful dynasty, which maybe isn't a surprise. Rex fact! Mm. Etch Tastic at the boy Etch on Twitter again says, You're using the wrong voice when reading out the Scottish, Scottish <laughs> chroniclers. Instead of sagely English, it should be Billy Connolly. Yeah, really, it's so difficult to do a, a, a good Scottish <laughs> accent. Um, Particularly so every week. I'm definitely in the school of thought that uh, with you, uh, the boy Etch. Hmm. I think it should be tried. It'll make sense. Um, but it's not going to happen. Oh. Uh, and some messages from our new Privy Councillors. Yes. Uh, this is Anne Johnson. She says, I found myself muttering Crikey Moses under my breath the other day, which isn't a comment one usually hears in upstate uh-huh. New York. 
Keep up the great work, and I can't wait to receive my Rexactor mug. It's coming. Uh, Sophia Carell, or Carol, uh, says, Thank you so much for all your hard work. You both make history entertaining and really come alive, especially with the voices. Victoria was my favourite. <laughs> uh, yes, we had a lot of uh, support for your Victoria voice. Listening to your banter makes my commutes go by so much more quickly, and I even look forward to them. I know that popes aren't exactly kings, but it might be very interesting to do a pope factor. Or Pope Idol. Pope Idol, brilliant. Yeah. I bet there's loads of good scandal for Ali. Yes. Oh, of course there will be. Some of those medieval popes. Bit of Borgia action. Yeah, it will. Yeah, it'll um, really, <laughs> it, it'll um, dry up a bit. Um, come the turn of the twentieth century. Oh, I don't know actually. Hmm. Mm, yeah. And uh, Jackie McClellan says, I work in IT, but I'm an historian at heart. My degree is Latin and ancient history, so not sure how I fell into computing. This is my favourite podcast, so thanks for all your hard work, Graham. And humour, <laughs> Ali, so wrong about Edgar the Feasible. Oh, he goodness rocks. me, every week. Um, I, yes, I mean, that's really great that we've got an IT worker as a, saying we're her favourite podcast. Mm. don't know why that counts for more, but it does in my mind. Yes, yeah, so yes. I mean, the, the Latin and ancient history link maybe makes it slightly more logical. Uh, yeah, it makes more sense. Logical. Mm. It's mm. just the IT bit that stands out. Well, may, hey, maybe she could hack into the Apple mainframe. Yes. <laughs> this is your first duty as Privy Councillor. <laughs> Boost us up the charts. Yeah, that could really help. Yeah. Hey, well, it would make the news if nothing else. Yeah. I was trying to save Rex Factor. Please tell your friends about this show. <laughs> And uh, a message from Brenda uh, Walsh, having listened to the Battle of Waterloo special. Oh, yeah. Councillor. She said, greatly enjoyed Waterloo. If I could put my own choice forward, I say you have treated Lady Jane Grey shabbily. She was crowned queen and reigned for nine days, which was longer than at least one of your Scottish monarchs, I think. I don't think that's true. But, yeah. she, but nevertheless, it's an argument. I think justice for Lady Jane put her into the English kings and queens list. Why didn't we do her? We've discussed this. Yeah, well, ultimately... I think we decided to interpret that Mary was the rightful queen all along mm. and that Jane was effectively a pretender that wasn't able to okay. make it stick. But it would make for a very... If anybody does want to do the uh, $15 a month uh, subscription, it yeah. would make for a very interesting special episode. Like, we enjoyed Waterloo going into a lot of detail yeah. about certain things. I mean, you could definitely have a good-length podcast, but, you know effectively just looking at nine days and uh, Graham would especially enjoy this being a Tudor fan would be a bit of lovely <laughs> the Tudoriness be like a holiday for him. <laughs> so if anybody else likes that idea and I'd like to uh, commission it then mm. uh, please do yeah we've got a couple in the pipeline indeed we do, indeed so we do. looking forward to those so that's it for Duncan the second yeah. we've already done Donald Bain Donald third of course so yeah. next time it will be Edgar not Edmund not Edmund. Edmund. So we're not going to review Edmund yeah. at all because okay. he often doesn't count. So he was right. the one that was kind of co-ruling yeah. with Donald Bain. So we're not going to do him. Next time it will be Edgar. This is the Scottish Edgar rather than Edgar the Peaceful. Thank goodness. But we will be talking also about the Saxon Edgar the Etheling. Yes. Who last week we discovered, or I discovered, <laughs> had a much greater role in history than I thought. Exactly. So next time we're going to be doing effectively two people called Edgar. So if you can make it through that episode oh, without getting yeah. confused, you'll have done yeah. very well. Well, I think um, I've helped. I've got an idea. We should have called Duncan the Third. You know, Donald Bain. Donald the Third. Oh goodness me! <laughs> okay. Well, spoiler alert: there is no Duncan the Third. <laughs> oh no! You, that will never oh. be correct. Well, why does he keep coming up? <laughs> um, 
Okay, I think we should call Do- Donald. Uh, Donald the Sneaky Sneaky. Yeah. And this giant Duncan. Duncan the Speedy Speedy. <laughs> okay. Because that should make things very clear. Very, yeah. yeah I mean, there'll be no mistaking them now. confusing. So, that is it for... D- uh, Duncan the second, the <laughs> yes. card is right here. Um, next time, Edgar. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you very much. Cheerio.